How's everybody doing today? A little commotion up here. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I enjoy new people. No, you're making a return appearance, Debbie. You're not new. If you ever get a chance to hear a couple of Debbie and a few of the other singers sing the songs that she wrote. She wrote what? Two songs? Is that right? One? It's a good song. We don't hear it enough. Just saying. Anyway, guys, we want to welcome you out. My name is Gary, in case you're visiting with us. And uh, we're happy to have you here today. A quick announcement for the members here at Greater Alton is that Treats from the Trunk is coming. This group over here is excited about it, okay? I don't know about the rest of y'all, but they's fired up. And uh, Treats from the Trunk, you know, they're, 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 these are, there are several of them in the area. And we are, I believe, kind of the premier event. We generally have 2,000 to 4,000 people come through our property in the back and give out lots of candy to the kids. And it's an incredibly cool event. I, I don't know how else to put it. Where we give kids a safe place to trick-or-treat and get lots of candy. And it's fun. I mean, I can't imagine what some of these kids think when they see some of the booths. It originally started out where we decorate a car, you know, and give out uh, candy from the trunk, thus the name Treats from the Trunk. But there's hardly any cars used anymore. I mean, people build stages and they've got generators and lights. And it's like going to Six Flags or something. It's really pretty cool. And so uh, a couple of things that we need from you. The first is obviously candy. To give 2,000 kids candy of any significant amount, we have to uh, have you folks bring in candy and help us out there. Uh, the other thing is that our structure is a little bit different this year with our small groups or discipleship groups, and it's a little less clear on communicating. And we need to know who, is, who from your group is going to help with setup, who's going to help with cleanup, and uh, uh, what's the other? Parking. Uh, it's important that we have the, the right number of volunteers in the right places. If you look, check your bulletin or talk to Janet Bader. I don't think Janet's in here. Janet's in the back. Uh, we need to get that information in so we can have this event go off without a hitch. So anyway, without, without out of the way, we have been talking here at Greater Alton about being rooted. Uh, as most of you know, some of you see some, some, they're not dark, they're not bright orange shirts, but some orange shirts running around with our theme for the year to say, sink down roots and raise up fruit. And we have spent the year of 2013 here at Greater Alton focusing on the roots. We believe very plainly, when you look at what God has to say, that that's where He wants our focus to be. He wants us to be fruitful individuals as we follow Him. And that comes by focusing on what our roots are at. Our roots getting the right nourishment. We can't just focus on producing fruit without giving attention to what we're rooted in. And for the last several re weeks, Tim's been doing a series on Rooted. And he, we've talked about several things about Rooted in Family, Rooted in Love, Rooted in the Word of God. And today we're going to be talking, today and next week actually, thus the confusion on your notes. Somebody asked me, aren't we still talking about Rooted? It says part one of two. Well, I'm talking about Rooted in the Will of God, and it's a two-parter. You like that? You want to know how I keep things shorter than Tim? I break them in half. It's real simple. You know, it's easier to talk for 45 minutes twice than it is for an hour and a half once. Uh, 
And guys, so that's what we're doing. And guys, when it comes to the will of God, I, I don't know anything more common or, or common desire among people who are trying to follow Jesus, who are concerned about what God says, than this desire to know the will of God for their life. I mean, if you, if you, I'd be very surprised if you haven't wondered that. What's God's will either for this specific situation you find yourself in or for your life in general? What is God's will for my whole life? And as we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks, I believe God's very plain on both of those issues. And what we're going to be doing today is kind of setting the groundwork for next week. Next week, we'll be talking about how to find the will of God in your life. So come on back. But today, we're just going to be talking about facts about the will of God. You see, when you look up at the will of God, it's some, sometimes it's some mysterious thing that's out there. Some vague thing that only a few get to find. And that's just not the way God has it set up. In fact, I was shocked, I was amazed when I started doing actual research for this and not just going off what I already knew. I was amazed that when you go into your Bible program, your Bible software, whether you use BibleGateway.com or one of the others, and you do a search for God's will or the Lord's will or the will of God or His will, I was amazed at how many passages of the Bible came up and just plainly said things like, this is the will of God, or do the will of God. And we're going to be looking at a number of those today. But I was just really shocked. And when as I looked at that, I thought, why is this so difficult for us? Why is it so, so ominous and so vague that most of the people I talk to, they don't even speak of it. They don't even speak about, about the will of God or if they're trying to do the will of God. Unless normally what it is is it's some kind of a... A big decision is coming up, you know. Should I marry this person? Is this the will of God? You know, should I take this job? What's the will of God here? Should I move to this other town? Should I um, get an education? Where should I get my education? Typically, people, when they're asking about the will of God, they're looking for a very specific answer to a very specific situation. And... God does deal with those, and as we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. But guys, it's, it's, it's just so plain what God has to say about it. And so we want to look at that beginning today and uh, continuing next week. So guys, what we're going to be doing today is just talking about four facts about the will of God. And the first one is that I can know the will of God. Okay, it's not something vague and ominous that only a few can find. You can know what God's will is for you in a specific situation, as well as your life, the direction of your life as a whole. Now, that excites me, because I spent the majority of my life wandering around in the dark. You know, wondering, I'm making decisions and and, and hoping things are going to work out okay. Hoping that it's going to be the right thing to do. And God's going to say, and I can do, I can tell you what you what you're supposed to do. You look at these two passages. Well, look, yeah, look at these two passages that are in your notes here. These are both from the book of Colossians, which we've been going through in our, in our, in our discipleship groups. And this, the first one's in Colossians chapter 1. And Paul, the writer of Colossians, this is what he says. He says, so we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will 
and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Guys, now this is, again, something very plain. When you think about the will of God being some mystery or something that maybe happens, maybe doesn't, and yet here you have one of God's greatest servants or greatest examples of His servants that we have, and he, what He is praying for is for these people could have a complete knowledge of His will. Now, either God wants us to know His will, or Paul is praying for something that ain't going to happen. Or is not likely to happen. And so, guys, I think we have to start off just looking at going... And these passages, I believe, and we're going to look at several of them here, just illustrate that God wants you to know His will. You can know it. You don't have to wonder about what He wants you to do. This this other passage in Colossians chapter 4 is what it says. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He he is always wrestling in prayer for you so that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Guys, circle that that phrase, all the will of God. You see, because it's just not part of it. And I tend to believe that we look for just part of it at a time. And God wants you to know all of it. Guys, let me read you these other passages. And these, they'll be on the screen. They're not in your notes. First was in Ezra chapter 10. And just notice what it has to say about the will of God. It says, Now honor the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and do His will. We know, that, and in John chapter 31 it says, We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does His will. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, it says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Hebrews 13 says, Now the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.4 As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. You see, guys, when you look at all those passages, the will of God is not talked about as if something you may or may not find. It's not talked about as if something that only a few find. It talks about it, just matter-of-factly, as if it's out there. It's obvious. The question is, are you looking for it? You see, because God wants you to know His will. In fact, that's the next blank there, if you look on there. God wants me to know His will. And I encourage you to kind of circle it all of His will. I write that in there. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, and guys, you want to get more specific when you talk about all of your will. You notice the verse, one of the things I found when I looked up, when I was doing my research, is this verse you see here in Colossians 1.1. And it's Paul, and he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. And I point this out, guys, if you, Paul wrote several, I guess the majority of the of the books of the New Testament. And he starts on most of them this way. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God. 
And what he's saying is, I'm an apostle. I'm one that's sent out to preach. And this is God's will for my life. By the will of God. Now, very clearly, not everybody was an apostle. In fact, there were very few of those. So that can't be to everybody. But I'm going to ask you a question. How do you describe yourself? How do you describe yourself? This is how Paul described himself. This was his image of himself, if you will. You see, you won't be an apostle. Very few of you will be preachers. I don't consider myself a preacher, by the way. I'm a talker. Tim's the preacher. But guys, the question is, I'm also a father. I'm also a husband. I'm also an auto glass technician. Now, those guys are all identities. Those are all things I tell myself. But the question is, do you add what Paul did is by the will of God? You see, when I start seeing myself as a father, and it's not being a responsibility, but guess what? This is a mission from God. And you start seeing yourself this way. See, guys, the will of God isn't, all, isn't that vague when you start looking for it. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about next week. I, I'm sorry to give teasers. I hate that on the radio or TV where they give you a teaser and then a commercial. But I'm, I'm a, one of the things we're going to talk about next week, about how do you find the will of God, you look for what's right in front of you, and you look for what's obvious. I mean, that's, that's, that's just all there is to it. You can say, if you were writing a letter to someone, you can, I could say, Gary, father of Jonathan, Jordan, and Jesse, by the will of God. Gary, husband of Susan, by the will of God. Gary, auto glass technician, by the will of God. You see, guys, it changes things. When you look at your basic core responsibilities that honestly suck up most of your time, and you look at them as the will of God. How, how, how different would you act at work if you realize you are on your job by the will of God? That you being on the job you're on, dealing with whatever you're dealing with, is the will of God for your life. Does that change the way you approach your job? It does. And it's one of the things, again, we're going to look at next week. <laughs> Lots of teasers, I'm sorry. It changes the way you look at things. And, it, and guess I'll tell you, I, 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 I'm a parent. I've had to learn. There's been a learning curve for being a parent. didn't come with instructions. And I, I don't believe I was particularly prepared at the beginning. And I am... Uh, I have three teenagers, and they're supposed to be rough years. I don't, they're, they're not as bad as they say. I don't know how else to put it. But one thing I can tell you is I have a trump card. Whenever I speak to my kids and I'm talking to them about something, and they say, yeah, would you knock it off? That's annoying. And I hear that a lot. I'll tell them I can't. What? This is what God wants me to do. This is what God expects. God expects me to talk to you about these things. God wants me to say these things. You know, my, I, my daughter Jessie, when she was little, I would lay, you know, lay in bed with her at night, and I would say, Jessie, I love you. And she'd say, stop saying that. I already know that. You don't need to keep telling me every day. Okay? She didn't know how to say, that's annoying, yet. And I would tell her, Jesse, 
I can't stop telling you, God wants, this is what God wants me to do. And I can tell you whenever I tell my kids, God wants me to do this, they really don't have much to say about that. They can't argue with that. You know, they may laugh, they may chuckle, but they know it's true. See, guys, you can know God's will, and it's right in front of you. And God wants you to accept that. Second thing, guys. Second thing is to find God's will, I've got to, I must seek God's will. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and have an email in your inbox. You're not going to walk up tomorrow morning and have a text message or this afternoon. You're not going to have it written on the wall of your house. It's not going to happen. If you're going to know the will of God, you've got to look for it. I don't completely understand this process, but as you look in the Bible, there is one principle that God calls us to that needs to be a character trait of us, and that is seeking. I mean, all over the place, He tells seeking. Traditionally here at Greater Alton, it's been kind of a first step. It's how you first have a relationship with God is you begin to seek. And I've come, become convinced, no, it's a character trait that should permeate your existence till you die. That you are a seeker of God and a seeker of His ways. I believe this because God wants to know that you really want it. That's my only, only guess for that. You know, He says things like, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. He says things like, uh, you must seek first the kingdom of God. You know, you've got to put it above everything else. But there's a seeking that has to take place. In Proverbs chapter 3, this is what it says. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Guys, again, circle or underline all you do. Because here's what I've found, is that most of us just want to seek the will of God in part of what we do. We just want to seek the will of God when we're in trouble. We just want to seek the will of God when there's something major going on that we don't want to screw up. Okay, And in just all honesty, most of the time when we're just seeking the will of God that way, we're not really seeking the will of God. We're more seeking permission. Is that right? Or, you know, blessing? Hey, God, this is the person I really want to marry. Make it work. Okay? This business should make a lot of money. Please help. Okay? I really want, you know, this education. Please open the door for me. And I believe, guys, seriously, in a lot of those situations, when you look at this passage, we don't get an answer because God's going, no, you're just wanting the answer here. You're not wanting seeking me in all that you do. See, that's the promise here. Not that you'll find, he'll show you the path every now and then. He says he's show, he'll show you the path when what? You seek him in all you do. Guys, it's got, it's, it, there's a seeking process that goes on here. And just being honest with you, I think it's kind of pointless to seek God's will if you're not going to submit to what He tells you to do. I mean, why is He going to waste His breath with you? I mean, seriously. If you're going to say, God, I really want you to show me what to do, and you only want it to be one thing. You're only looking in one area. He doesn't want to do it. So guys, willingness to submit to the will of God in smaller areas is a prerequisite. 
if you will, to finding the will of God for all of my life. Jesus sort of illustrated this in John 7 and verse 17. It's not in your notes. He says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. See, he doesn't say, hey, once you figure out that I'm really for God, then you can do the will of God. He says, as you do the will of God, you'll find out that what he says is really from God. Another passage here, this is in your notes in Romans chapter 12. Um, This is what it says. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, guys, changing the way you think is a pretty difficult process, isn't it? And that is something that seriously takes place on a daily basis. I appreciate last week uh, I got a number of comments after I spoke and, and someone was speaking with me this morning and they were, they, were, they were commenting. They were saying, wow, I appreciate this one story you told because that's so different than I am and maybe I should be different. And what they were saying is, I don't think that way right now. I don't think the way that you were illustrating and maybe I should. And I can just tell you, it is hard to change the way you think, but that takes place on a daily basis. You want to know what God's will is right now? He wants you to change the way you think. He wants you to begin to think more and more like Jesus every day. I can tell you that. And what happens if you do that? Then you're going to know God's will for you. See, guys, but you've got to be seeking it. You've got to decide that that's what you want to do. Third thing, third fact, to find the will of God, I'm sorry, to find find the will of God, I have to know God. Last night we had a little, uh, we had some folks over around the campfire, and uh, we were talking about something, about, about this very topic. And we were talking about the opening question that we discussed was, have you ever been unfairly judged or somebody had the wrong impression about you and they only had a little bit of information about you? Everybody, yeah, yeah, that happens. You know, they've, they've heard something and the information may be only partially correct or it may be totally correct, but it's not complete. You know, I talk about when I was, when I was a teenager and, you know, trying to oppress a girl and I don't have a specific in mind here. But, you know, I remember a time or two where every time I was around a girl that I was trying to impress, I said something stupid. Okay, she had accurate information. She had it from the source. It was incomplete. I didn't think it was stupid. But, guys, we don't like that when people have the wrong impression of us. They make a judgment about us that is usually wrong because they have incomplete information and they haven't taken the time to find it out. Now, with people, that's, that's unimportant. These girls I was trying to impress in junior high and high school is really unimportant. They had no obligation or requirement to, to find out that I really wasn't stupid. Okay? There was no need for that. But guys, when it comes to knowing the will of God, we've got to know, know what God's like. Because if you don't know the will of God, I mean, if you don't know God, 
you're going to misinterpret what he's up to. You're going to misinterpret what he wants you to do. You see, here's an example of this in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see, guys, what's going on here is there are people who claim to... What Jesus is saying is, when it comes to the end of time and people are being judged, there are going to be people who come before Him who say, we followed you. We called you Lord. And look at this list of things that we've done. And He's going to say, that wasn't my will for you to do those things. He's not going to tell them they didn't do them. He's not going to tell them they weren't sincere in what they did but he's going to tell them you you didn't know me and you didn't know my will because you didn't know me and as a result i didn't know you guys we've got to look you see guys doing good things does not equal the will of god did you know that ministering to people does not necessarily equal the will of god now it can be part of it for you but you can't look at just what, you, what you're doing. God is not after you just to do certain activities. God is after a deep, intimate relationship with you. He wants you to know Him. You see, I, I believe that in, in Christianity today, you, you see what I... Again, going back to my daughter... Um, a few years ago, my, my oldest son Jonathan has worked with me several summers... Since he was about 12, I install auto glass. I own my own business. And he goes with me because he enjoys it and he likes money. And a few years back when he was still younger and didn't require as much money, he didn't like to work every day. And so we didn't make him work every day. But I realized this is too valuable a time for me to have as a father. I mean, it was just incredible, you know, the, the time I got to spend with him and what we get to talk about. And so he wants the day off. Well, I thought, I can't waste his time. So I come up with a rule. One of you kids has to go with me every day. If Jonathan doesn't, Jordan and Jesse do. And so Je- Je- they, I had to make the rule because they didn't volunteer. Okay. <laughs> they like money now, though. But Anyway, one day Jesse was with me. And Jesse, as I've said, she came out of the womb playing catch-up to her two older brothers. She came out going, I'm behind. I don't like this. I'm going to do what they do now. And so when she was, she would be working with me and she would say, uh, she, had, she kept asking, is, does Jonathan do that? Does Jonathan do that? Because I knew I couldn't just have her do everything. There are only certain tasks, simple tasks, when you first get started, you can do. You know, you can wash the glass. Here's how you wash the glass. I want to put the molding on. Does Jonathan put the molding on? One day I let her put the molding on. And after a half an hour, she didn't like putting the molding on. She says, I want to put the urethane on the glass. That just looks neat. And so I, she asked, does Jonathan get to put the urethane on the glass? No, Jonathan doesn't put the urethane on the glass. Not He does now, but he didn't then. And guys, that's the way we tend to be. 
We tend to look at all there is for God, all the God, all, all the different ways to serve God, and we go, "I want to do that over there. I want to do this here." And God may be saying, "That's not what I want you to do." You see, guys, you get to know God. You get to know what He's up to. I hate this new OS. Every time it goes blank, I got to punch in a code. <laughs> You see, guys, I didn't seek this job or this role of being... It's not a job. I don't get paid. I didn't seek this role of standing before you and talking. I didn't do it. Didn't raise my hand. There wasn't a need. And I said, I'd do it. Didn't ask for it. It just came my way. Uh, a couple weeks ago, not a couple weeks ago, last week, I told you a number of you had comments. And Mark Landon had a comment for me. Mark pulled me aside and he said, you know, me and my wife, we've been coming here about two years now. And I don't know if I spoke the first time he was here, if he remembers that or not. But he said, you know, first time I heard you, uh, I don't remember his words, but he was basically saying, I wasn't real impressed. Is that, is that a fair description, Mark? That's fair. <laughs> I say that first of all to say if you're not real thrilled today, come back in two years, okay? <laughs> or in two weeks. Tim will be back in two weeks. So, Or just hang in there and it'll get better. But he was saying, you know, you get a lot better. Guys, I'm up here because honestly I believe I'm fulfilling one of God's wills for my life. I'm fulfilling a role. I'm fulfilling a role. And guys, I just want to let you know, Fulfilling this role has forced me to get to know God better. I don't know, I, I don't know how else to put that. Um, Alan and I talk, and, and we, usually after each Sunday I speak, and one of the, I tend to trust preparation, okay? When, you know, preparing for being up here. I was, I was telling the teachers earlier this morning that this is not stressful anymore. Okay, being up here. And it was never really stressful being up here. It was stressful preparing to be up here. Because I felt like I can just blank out. I mean, if I don't have my notes and I don't follow them, I'll just get up here and blank out. And there's been times where that's why I got the iPad so I can carry it around with me. Because if I I can get way over here and be done with saying what I want to say and forget, it's like I walk all the way back over here to remember. And so I tend to trust my preparation and I've learned God doesn't want me to trust my preparation. He doesn't want to trust me want me to trust my notes. He wants me to learn to trust His Holy Spirit. And you see, guys, God is more interested in me knowing Him than He is in me fulfilling any specific role. And guys, that's the same with you. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this in, in, in Isaiah. This is an amazing passage. He says, "Seek the Lord well while He may be found." Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and He will have mercy. And to our God, for He will freely pardon. Here's the kicker. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, or excuse me, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord's. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts 
higher than your thoughts. You see, guys, we often try to interpret what's going on around us and the will of God through our thoughts and our ways and what we think and what we expect. And God's saying they're totally different. Guys, you've got to get to know God. You've got to get to know God. You see, one of the things you're going to find out, and this isn't fun, but God often uses evil to accomplish His will. God often uses evil to accomplish His will or suffering. He uses those things. And how do you, how do you know that? I've, looked at his, I've, looked at, I've read His Bible. I've read His Word. You look at it, and the Bible is filled with story after story after story of where evil is present, where suffering is present, and God does something miraculous. Over and over and over again. You know, in this country, one of the, one, I say one, one of the black eyes of this country's in our past is this issue of slavery, is it not? I mean, it's, I wish it was gone. I wish it wasn't there for our country. But you know, one of the stories when you read the Old Testament, they, they repeatedly point back to one story. They repeatedly point back to one event. And that was when the Israelites came out of Egypt and, and God parted the Red Sea. You're, if you're not familiar with it, go back to Exodus and you can read that for yourself. But he repeatedly talked about it. But do you know what preceded that story? 430 Years of slavery, of horrific slavery. You see, slavery is not a good thing, is it? But God used it. And if you go back even farther to the story that, that even how God set up this slavery, if you will, was the story of Joseph. It's at the end of Genesis, in the last thirteen chapters of Genesis. I encourage you to go back and read that too. And just some of the most amazing things happen. Where Joseph is, uh, he's sold by ten of his brothers that hate him. They want to kill him. Instead of killing him, they decide, hey, let's make some money. We'll sell you as a slave. They sold him as a slave. He spent 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner. He spent 22 years separated from his family, specifically his father that loved him dearly. And when it's all over, he's talking to his brothers. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 20. It says, for even though you planned evil against me, God planned good to come out of it. This was to keep many people alive as he is doing now. How does a man look at his ten brothers that hated him, sold him as a slave, that, that led to him being enslaved, imprisoned, and separated from his father for 22 years, how does he look at them and say, eh, you intended it for evil, but God did good. No big deal. I mean, and you look at it, That's literally what he's saying. And when he first, this is the second time he says it to him. The first time is when he, he first revealed himself to them, and they're, and they're like, oh, buddy, are we in trouble? And he's like, don't blame yourselves. Don't blame yourself. This wasn't you that did it. It was God. Guys, Joseph knew God. He knew what the will of God was because he knew God. If you're going to know the will of God, you're going to have to get to know God. Fourth thing. Fourth fact. <laughs> this is good. God's will is usually different than my will. 
Isn't that right? We have conversations amongst ourselves. And one of the things that when Alan and I talk, we say, I'm very cautious here. Why? Because this is what I want. And what are we saying? When it's something that I want, there's a high probability God don't want it. And that's not always true. Don't get me wrong. But, but we understand that when my desire is for something, I am likely to be deceived. I am likely to try to twist and manipulate things so that I think I am convinced that I'm doing what God wants me to do. And His will is usually not completely, not totally, not always. No, that's not the case. But it's usually different than what I want. I've got some passages there we're going to look at in just a minute. And I guess we'll give you a little bit of background story to them, okay? In 1 Samuel, uh, the nation of Israel wants a king. God says, you don't need a king, you shouldn't have a king, but I'm going to give you a king. And he gives them a king by the name of Saul. And Saul, when he started out, was a very humble man. And when they first went to appoint him as king, he was hiding in the baggage. Personally, as things unfolded, I believe he was more insecure than he was humble. But God says he was humble, so I guess I'll agree with him. But he wasn't a good king. And the biggest issue that Saul had was that his will was different than God's will. That's all there was to it. And there's two situations, one in chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, one in chapter 15, where he just blatantly doesn't, he blatantly disobeys God's direct commandments. And if you look at this, this you'll, you'll see what's going on here. In, in the first one's in chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. Uh, Nathan the prophet, no, it's not Nathan the prophet. Anyway, Samuel the prophet says, he says, what have you done, asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You see, guys, he wasn't supposed to offer the burnt offering. That's why Samuel's asking, what have you done? But he's looking at what's ahead of him. He's looking at his circumstance and he's going, wait, the enemy's about to come. The men are about to scatter. I felt compelled to do what wasn't God's will. You see, guys, and we'll get to it in a minute. Here, the, other, the next thing is in 1 Samuel 15. And this is what he says. He says, Samuel caught, finally caught up with Saul and Saul told him, I hope the Lord will bless you. I've done what the Lord told me. Again, he didn't do what the Lord told him to do. You see, guys, Saul had his will. And as we're going to see here in a minute here, his will is to protect himself. Samuel, or Saul's will was to not be afraid and to protect himself. Throw up that next passage there, Pat. 1 Samuel 15, 24. Oh, it's up there. Oh. This is what it says. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, so I gave in to them. You see, guys, his will was different than God's. His will was what? To protect himself. His will was to look good in front of the people. And as a result, he repeatedly 
didn't do God's will. So guys, you're going to have to understand, one of the things, your last set of blanks there, is I need to know God and use my, and see myself clearly. Why is that? Because that helps you recognize the difference between God's will and your will. You need to recognize, this is what I want. This really isn't, this may not be a door that God's opening for me. This is what I want. And usually, God's wanting something different. God's trying to achieve something different in your life. Guys, for that to happen, you're going to have to have some real honesty and humility and a deep desire to sincerely submit to the will of God. You've got to see yourself clearly. Guys, I invite you back next week. As I told you, next week we're going to talk about how do I find, what do I need to do? I mean, we've touched on it today, but what do I need to do? If I want to find God's will for my life, how do I go about finding it? So I invite you back. Let's pray and we'll be done. Father, thank you that you make your will so plain. Father, that you've made it so plain that there's no question about whether we can know your will. Father, I believe with all my heart that you have a plan for each of us and a purpose.